This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. No Jesse Temple. Just back from uh, Indianapolis and Big Ten Media Days. Uh, I don't know if you guys can hear it. Voice, not great right now. It's struggling. I don't think it had anything to do with talking too much. It may have been the drinking on Tuesday night or last weekend. I'm just admitting it. I'm going to throw it out there. So I'm not going to talk too much here. Instead, I'm just going to play you the interviews that I did down in Indy uh, over the last two days. Um, I'm not going to play all of them. I'm going to play a few of them, and we'll get to the others uh, here in the next uh, week or so. Jesse was unable to make it to uh, Indianapolis uh, due to a family uh, emergency. He will be back with me uh, very soon. Um, so, again, you don't want to listen to this voice. I don't want to talk in this voice. And uh, I would love to break down everything that happened at Big Ten Media Days, but I'm going to wait until my voice is better. Uh, instead, we get to hear from a lot of great guys. Got to do one-on-one with Luke Fickle. Uh, if you'd rather watch that interview, you can do it up on the YouTube. Um, but uh, a good stuff from uh, from the head coach. Also got to talk to uh, linebacker Mumajang Mehta who obviously, uh, I think in our last episode, me and Jesse talked about how uh, thoughtful and interesting and uh, um, genuine of a person he is. And uh, I think that can, that comes out in the interview as well. Um, and then uh, Joshua Perry, who played for Luke Fickle and is now on BTN and uh, the NBC crew and former UCLA coach and former Colorado coach Rick Neuheisel, who is part of the CBS analyst crew and I believe still uh, works with uh, Sirius as well. So some really good uh, interviews, some really good insight into Wisconsin, both uh, current and then also past uh, with uh, Joshua Perry getting into some really good stories from his time at Ohio State. And uh, Rick Neuheisel, who was the head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes when they came to Madison in 1995 to open the season. And it was among the worst games that I've ever been to Wisconsin football-wise. It's right up there with, eh, maybe not right up there with, but it's, it's, it's up there with the 2001 Indiana game where Wisconsin was down 32 to nothing at the end of the first quarter where Antoine Randall went crazy. And uh, the Big Ten Championship game in 2014, and maybe even uh, Penn State in 2008. But that season was was a lost one. This one was opening the season and just getting absolutely smacked um, by uh, Colorado and a lot of good players on the team. Um, I believe Coy Detmer was the quarterback. One of the wide receivers was Ray Carruth. I don't think we need to go any further than that. Uh, so good stories from all of them, and I thought it was. Uh, Worth it to get them to you here as uh, we uh, try and wrap up uh, Big Ten Media Days and look ahead to uh, Wisconsin's Media Day next week, and then obviously fall camp getting going down in Platteville. So, all right, let's get into it. Uh, I, I guess we'll start with the head coach. It is Luke Fickle. Yes, we do. We welcome in the Wisconsin football coach. It is Luke Fickle. Luke, thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, so Big Ten Media Days, you're back in the Big Ten, obviously. What's it been like uh, here down in Indy? It's kind of been surreal. I think that uh, walking in here, just kind of a lot of flashbacks of remembrance. And it's not like I remember the one media day that I had been to. No, I, I don't. But it's just the flashbacks of all the logos of Indianapolis in general. And just uh, it, it was very surreal at the very beginning. Um, actually took a couple deep breaths, kind of looked around. I was like, wow. 
you know, kind of kind of full circle right now. So it, it's been pretty impressive. A lot of memories in this building for you, obviously, as well. I mean, 2014, 2016. I, uh, I try not. Yes, there's a few. There's there's no doubt. You try not to m- mention 2014. No, you? I don't know. I know. I, I, <laughs> that was uh, I, I was here. It was it was not good. Yeah, it was not good. But um, a, a fun place. And there's a lot of great memories for Wisconsin people here as well. 2011 and they played the final four here as yep. well that uh, they went to national championships. So a lot of, a lot of good things. I had an opportunity to chat with uh, a former player of yours, Joshua Perry. Yep. And uh, he glowing things, glowing things, but I asked him for a story about you and he talked about you and Mike Vrabel and the wrestling. <laughs> Can you give me a little more details on what this is? Cause it were challenges, right? You would challenge players. Yeah. I, yeah. I was a little younger then, you know, I mean, we would try to do things that, you know, just to 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 have fun, but also to you know push ourselves and mentally and some things like that. And you know, I was kind of harassed the guys that didn't wrestle that you weren't tough enough to wrestle. So, you know, it became a little bit more of a of a joke thing. But but there are things that we could do, and and uh, you know, then I think they start to gather the stories that happen because as you brave whenever he come back, he's not short on stories, um, and he doesn't have a whole lot of a filter because he can tell anybody about anything at times. So. Um, no, it it was a great experience, and obviously, Josh, what what a great kid, young man, man. Now that uh, it's awesome to see those guys grow up. And he was talking about that. You as a coach, um, he called you the perfect coach because it wasn't. It's not just about football. When you talk to him, it's about his family, and it's his mom, and it's his dad. What what it means to him? Why is that important to you? Well, there's so much more that goes into this. I mean, the the, the to be well rounded is so critical. I mean, there's so much adversity in this game and and you got to deal with so many other people. And if you don't know where a kid is coming from, you don't know how he's grown up, it's really hard to get him through some of those situations. And his was easier one, obviously being from close and he was just outside of Columbus and and then there's such outgoing people that you knew the family, so you had a better grasp of it. But I just think it's so critical, it's so vital. Um of being able to get a kid to develop through those 18 to 22 year old years. Cause there's going to be changes. It never ever goes for them the way they envision it. And it shouldn't, right. That's life. But if you don't know them, if you don't have that relationship, you, it's really hard to get them through those tough times. Um, so it's just been the thing for me. That's always been more about a relationship than it is anything else. And that's a good transition into the recruiting aspect of this. I know you, you came out uh, this summer when there was the, big hullabaloo of the uh of the in-state recruiting and uh, i know you came out and you talked to a few people about it why was it important to come out and get that message out there um that that in-state recruiting is important to you even though maybe in this class it hasn't necessarily gone exactly how you wanted it to well i mean it, i want to make sure they understand a how important it is but truly how much work we did put into it, it doesn't always work we understand that um you know, and sometimes it's the right thing for the right people and the right kid. And it is what it is, but it's not going to change how we feel about what it is we need to do to be successful and to sustain success within our program. And if it doesn't start at home, it's going to be really difficult. You know, you can you can win here and there and you can win those battles. But when you're talking about sustaining excellence, when you really look at why, and I know there's been a change, but why Wisconsin for such a long time had sustained excellence. And that's what I would call it. And it has a lot to do with the types of kids. It has a lot to do with probably Coach Alvarez taking care of their state and keeping those kids and developing those kids. And and what they've done in the past is a great indication of what you can do in the future. And we've got to do a better job of it. We've got to build better relationships, and and we will. I think it's uh, you talk about going elsewhere to get kids at times. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some, whatever it is. But th- this, this class, I know you can't talk about specifics, but um, one of your recruiters has done 
gone to the East Coast and, and really done a really yeah. good job. Uh, Colin Hitchler, safeties coach. When you're hiring a guy, how much of it is about their recruiting ability? How much is their coaching ability? Or is it trying to find the best of both worlds? It is. It's about people. Okay. Um, I, I've said that several times today. And, you know, what is important and what are the things and, and you know, whether it's Mike Tressel or Phil Longo, different offense or different defense. And I'm like, it's about people. And I think that's what's really critical in, in hiring coaches. And, you know, yes, there's, there's an expertise, but, it, you know, I went and did my, one of my first interviews. And when I got the job at Ohio state, I interviewed with Jim Tressel and it's amazing. I maybe an hour, hour and a half and never once did he ask me any question about football. And it always stuck with me. And it's just, it was so much about people. That's the way I learned it. And it's the same way. I mean, Colin is a great example. I mean, just of a guy that's developed and, and grown and we all can continue to grow no matter how old we are, as long as you've got the passion and the will to do it. And, and so if you don't have the right people, it probably won't grow within the program because they don't believe maybe the same things are important as you do. So um, it doesn't matter whether it's a player or a coach. I think that's so critical for us. So you guys are heading out to Platteville for the first week of camp next, next week for you. What is the uh, biggest question mark position group? Yeah. Otherwise that for you going into that, well, I, I think it's, I've always say it's, it's critical. I think we've got a really deep offensive line. So there's not one position group, but when I say this, I say we've got a really deep offensive line, but it's so critical that we figure out what that five really look like and get them into position. And then what that six and seven, and that's just that position, right? It's really critical for us to recognize maybe we've got eight guys on the defensive line, what it's going to look like. Like it's not going to look like one guy playing 65 snaps. It's going to have to be, accumulation of guys playing anywhere from 20 to 45 to 50 snaps. I'm like, and so I think that all those positions in particular, you know, I would say we're, we, after spring, we were really thin at the, at the back end corner position in particular, you know, you had two true freshmen that probably finished up being the twos um, throughout spring, but we've had the ability to maybe bring in a couple more guys to give us some depth, to create that competition and to see how it all kind of, kind of works itself out. Um, throughout camp so there's a lot of unknowns as a first year coach sure. and I'm not saying well you've done this before I know but there's still a lot of unknowns there's a lot of unknowns every year I think there's more unknowns when you're in your first year because leadership is so key into how things develop I know this is going to be sounded like a stupid question because it, it, there are probably, no stupid questions yeah. right but that's what we were always told as a kid right <laughs> uh it, it feels obvious um but in terms of the offense when you change an offense that has been an, not an identity, but an offensive system that you change after however long it's been, how important is it for to work in year one because to get people on board? Well, I mean, it, it's important for it to work no matter what, but I think what is most important is to not the outside noise is the outside noise. Like I hope we're far enough along. And again, we can all be affected by it, but, if there's one thing that I learned from studying and watching and, and evaluating like people as they went, whether they were with, you know, as head coaches, right. And the ability to have consistency is so critical. And, and I look back to our first year at Cincy and I, nobody wants to go through that, right. Four and eight, or, I mean, it was more, it was closer to one and 11 than it was four and eight, but the evolution of what it is that we did and how we developed offensively is really, really critical. And, you know, the next year we, we weren't, great but yet we won football games and and it really showed me okay 
that's why I talk about playing your best ball at the end of the year, the ability to have consistency. There's going to be ebb and flows. There's going to be, you know, things that we have to do better as coaches that Phil's going to have to recognize and do that are going to help fit us a little bit more. And there's things that players are going to have to do. And we're going to have to block out no matter what it is, the outside noise, whether you get to a point where winning is not good enough or, you know, not having 200 yards rushing is not good enough. So all those things come together. Like we got to find a way to win and we got to find a way to continue to grow. Gotcha. A couple more for you. Um, your quarterback, Tanner Mordecai, what is the skill set of his that stands out for you? Leadership. And I, I think that's one of those intangible things that's easier for me to talk about because if I told you it's his arm, if I told you it's his legs, if I told you, those are things he's going to prove. Um, but what I could talk about is his ability to walk in here a lot like me, embrace all things Wisconsin, not have an attitude, not have a, you know, some type of entitlement of any sorts and just go about earning the respect of everybody within the program. It's been really, it's been awesome to watch. I think the other uh, one I want to ask about was Braylon because in the spring you talked about how if everything goes to plan, this will be it and he'll go to the NFL. What does a good enough season or what does a good season like that look like in your mind? It's going to come down to what Braylon thinks is most important, right? I mean, every guy is a little bit different, right? I mean, I've had guys that say, look, I'm never, I'm not leaving unless I'm the first round draft pick, right? I'm not leaving unless I'm a first three round draft pick. And then there's some guys that look, I just want the opportunity. And then you could take a guy, go all the way back to a Joe Thomas, who I've heard, like he wasn't leaving unless he was either going to be the first player taken or for sure the first tackle. Now he had to come back probably because he blew his knee out. But but he's the most remarkable thing ever because he was he came back and he was there in August after doing it in January. His but his mind was, I want to be the very first tackle taken. And so whether he'd hurt himself or not, I don't know that he would have come out. But but everybody's different. And you know, like I said, I've had kids. I just want an opportunity, and I'm going to get an opportunity, so I'm going to go. Um, This last one, it's I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, Jim Leonard. Is uh, took a job with with Brett Bielema down at Illinois. When you heard that was, I'm sure you were probably aware of it in the past. Yeah. Um, when you heard that, what was your thoughts? I mean, good for him. I mean, if that's you know what it is that he wants to do, I, it, this was hard, right? I mean, this I don't think, and I'm sure if you talk to Jim, I'm, there's no ill will. There's no like you know nothing against Wisconsin. It's just guys understand like what they need to do because they want to continue to grow in this profession and. Obviously, he wants to continue to coach, whether it's be a head coach, whether it's be a defensive coordinator, whether it's in the college and the NFL. And sometimes we can all get personal and think, why would you do that? But like, you know that if you're out, that's not a great sign. You're not growing as much as you think you can work. So to have the opportunity to to obviously continue to grow because he's got passion to continue to coach the game, I, I think hey, that he's a great person. He's a great man. You know, won't like him one day of the year, uh, but that's just the nature of the beast of what we do. Um, but I'm excited to see what he does in the future because he's going to continue to coach. The talking's almost done. You're so close to camp. What's your excitement level of just getting down to Platteville and getting going? I think, yeah, I, I've always said, I don't want to rush to get there, but like, boy, is it hard not to. <laughs> and it's just, there's so many unknowns that is so exciting about what camp is. And, you know, it, I've said it many times, the motivation for just all things, right? I mean, every year you're motivated, but like it being new, it being something here. Some, it's, I mean, it's just from the recruiting side of things, the motivation of being, have rivalries and recruiting to, you know, it's just, it's so motivating that, 
you don't want to wish away the days, but boy, I mean, it, it's, it's starting to get to that point where my wife's even like, you know what, why don't you guys just go and start? Because you're not, you're here, but you're not here. <laughs> it's uh it's going to be fun getting out of Platteville and, and seeing your guys in action. I think we're all looking forward to it. The football's or the, fo- the talking's done. Football's almost here. Luke, I really appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. There he was. Wisconsin head coach Luke Fickle. Really appreciate his time. Uh, I got him towards the end of the day. Uh, so he had been going for uh, about seven hours at that point. So really appreciate uh, him taking the time to stop by and uh, and chat. Uh, earlier in the day, got to sit down with uh, linebacker Wumajong Mehta. And uh, here he is. And we do bring in Wisconsin linebacker Mumajong Mehta. Muma, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Experience so far down here in Indy. How's it been going? Uh, it's been fun. Yeah. Uh, we came in last night. Went to St. Elmo's, this little steakhouse. Uh, it's well known. Well known. I, <laughs> I was like I loved it. Um, we got the shrimp cocktail and cleared out my thoughts. It just <laughs> hit me in the face like a punch. Um, enjoyed dinner and then took some scooters around town. It was great. I saw someone wipe out on a scooter yesterday. You know what? The green ones. Is that what you're talking about? Yep. Yeah. Wasn't good. She was. She was in. She was in rough shape. So be careful. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, but you guys flew private down here too, didn't you? Yes, we did. Is that the first time you've been on a private plane? It was my first time. And would you ever want to fly commercial ever again? Uh, I want to be where the people are. So yes. Okay. But I I feel like if I had a private jet access, I'd I'd take it full advantage of it. It's an amazing. I mean, it's amazing. I've never done it. I've never done it. But I've every time you guys come down here through the years, it's like the players just off the off the charts amazing so yes um all right little football here actually a little off the field i guess for you uh 2020 hernia and the the heart issue as well three years later you're here at indian for big 10 media days you're the leading returning tackler you're a guy who's preseason all big 10 can you think uh, uh back to that time and wondering if you thought this was possible yeah i mean i think um First of all, I think it's just testimony to God, uh, his work in my life, to be honest, um, his vision for me. And uh, I was going through that period and uh, I was questioned. I had to go through this spiritual search where I was questioning, like, why I even played football. And um, the answer I came out with, um, the reason I love the game so much and and the the person it's made me become to achieve the goals I've wanted to achieve uh, has been without a doubt the, one of the greatest blessings in my life. And, um, you know, when coach told me that he wanted me to come to media day, it was, it was, uh, you know, I had to take a moment um, just to reflect on the, the journey being in the Valley to now being here um, and what it means. Um, just, it's a blessing and I can't take any of it for granted. What do you think it says about you and your role with this team that he did ask you to come? Um, I think it just, I mean, the biggest thing I think is, is it just says, you know, they trust me. Oh, they trust me. Can you hear me now? Yeah, good. Uh, they trust me. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, there's other guys they could have picked, but they chose me. And uh, they, I think I have a responsibility to make sure that I, I hold the standard here. When we get back to camp, I hold that standard. Um, and and continue to carry that leadership and and, and be there for the guys um, because in many ways they need me and, and I need them. 
and it is obviously you're stepping into a leadership role even more so with with Keanu and, and Nick gone. Uh, but you mentioned the standard and the standard inside linebackers awfully high. And you guys played pretty well last year. Uh, where do you have to take your game to the next level to to meet even higher standards that I'm sure you set for yourself? Yeah, I think this year it's uh, when I think about what the team needs from me, it's not just it's not just great, consistent linebacker play. It's that and they need. Uh, leadership. They need me to bring people along with me as I play well. I think they they need that and some. Um, they need me to make every play I should make, and then the ones that are kind of 50-50 make those too. Um, and so it's uh, it's going to be a, a challenge for me this year to to bring that. And uh, there's no one I'd rather bring it to. You know, the guys I'm playing with, uh, those are my brothers. So this summer – leading into obviously camp down in Platteville starting next week. How has it been different than previous summers? Obviously a new staff. We know how different things were in the winter. Was it a different summer as well? It was a different summer. It went by quicker than I could ever imagine. Uh, I think the emphasis this summer wasn't just training our bodies, but it was also training our minds. And an even larger emphasis was how could we come together as a team getting guys to buy into the culture. So doing things, player-led activities to do that. Um, I've been really happy with the progress we've made this summer, and I just want to keep it rolling into camp. Can you describe maybe in layman's terms the difference from the previous defense to the one that you guys are going to be running? And I I feel like there's a lot of similarities, but you guys are going to be so multiple with, with the things that you're able to do because you have the experience of playing in the old defense and you have what they're bringing here from Cincinnati. Yeah, I think – uh, the biggest the biggest terms I would use is multiple defense. I think we've always had that ability, especially last year, getting ready to play for Washington State and installing a new defense. Well, now we, we run that defense regularly, the dime defense. Um, uh, uh, there's a lot of carryover from last year, and the beauty is having played in a system like Jim Leonard's, I feel like I bring a new knowledge base to this new defense, and um, it's been exciting because we're able to talk to coach. Hey, coach, this is how we've done in the past and adjust things on the fly. So um, at first, everyone's resistant to change. I was not excited about the change. And um, but now I'm seeing it as an opportunity to add to my resume, add to my body of work, and I couldn't be more excited. Well, wasn't also part of it the ability to go watch tape from Cincinnati and see Ivan Pace and, and what he was able to do last year? Does Did that get you excited, though, to, you know, you weren't originally excited about it, but like after seeing what they were able to do with him? Yes. And I, I mean, I had had some conversations and it took me a while, but I finally realized like, man, I'm really built for this defense. This is a defense I can really succeed in if I learn the intricacies and the, the tough duties and then the opportunities where I have to make a big play, the BOPs, big play opportunities in each play, each defense, each call, each look. Um, when I started to really break it down like that, I was like, nah, this is, this is an opportunity um, more than anything. So you guys have three inside linebackers that uh, can get after the quarterback. I, it, I feel like you guys are deeper there than maybe you ever had been. And I know Leo was great at getting, getting after the quarterback, obviously, but do you feel like you all bring a little bit different something to the, to that pass rush game in the middle? Yeah, I think we do. Um, you know, one thing the offensive guys always tell me is like, man, I, I don't see guys who bend like you often. So I know I can bend, be a little crafty. Sometimes we have Jake Cheney, who's, pure power, speed. He He's getting off the ball before Lyman's even moved his leg. Um, he's getting to the quarterback after that. JT, power as well. Um, 
I think we all provide a little something different and I'm excited to see how coach is going to use us. And then even my guy, take grass, like he, he's got hands as well. Um, um, and his ability to get after the quarterback is also impressive. It, it's going to be a good, good season, a good, good opportunity for us to showcase what the I didn't linebackers want to leave have. I didn't want to leave him out. That's, that's my bad. Sorry about right. that. Nah, you got that's him. my guy. You got Can't him. Leave him. You got him. Can't. Um, as you, as you enter fall camp, are there some under the radar guys? Tate's not a, under the radar guy, he's been here for a while. But like, are there some under the radar guys that stand out to you that um, we should be keeping an eye on? Yeah, I mean, Hunter Waller, sort of under the radar. Guys don't, I don't think he's given the respect he deserves yet. Moy, uh, Latu, sort of under the radar. Trey, Travian Blaylock coming back from injury last for last year. Um, you know, uh, Nazir Forquan. I'd mess up his last name, but Nazir transfer. I'm I'm excited about him. Jason Matry is going to be a dog. Alexander Smith. Um, I think we have a lot of guys filling in big, bigger roles this year. And um, I'm excited to see what they're going to do defensively, offensively guy that comes to mind. uh, Will Pauling dude's going to be nice. Dude's dirty. (laughs) Um, I mean, I mean, he's the quickest guy. One of the quickest guys I've ever seen. I mean, I've been only covering it for 10 years, but, it feels like he's one of the quickest guys I've ever seen yeah, at Wisconsin. And he's uh and he can burn too. And he's a hard worker. And he's got the ethic to match. So I'm I'm excited for him. I'm excited about what we got going on. So you guys are going to Platteville for this first week of camp. When you heard that from uh, Coach Fickle reaction, because I mean it's it's a different thing that you get that you know Wisconsin hasn't done something like this since early two thousands when they would go out to the seminary on the west side. But this is it's gonna be a little bit different. I'm excited. And I'm this isn't even uh Media talk. I, I, uh, um, I know some players who played in 03 when they used to go to seminary and I was like, man, I wish we'd go back. I wish we'd go back. So the coach said this and to put the cherry on top, I'm a former boy scout. I'm an Eagle scout. Um, loved camping. Love would love my experience in summer camp. I go, I go away for a week, be just with the boys. Phone would be away. Um, and so when coach said, we're going to Platteville, first thing that came to mind is man, it's summer camp. Uh, and memories I've made in summer camp were, were un, unbelievable. Um, and we got to play football. So it's like a, it's a double way. I mean, I'm super excited. I know some guys weren't as thrilled. I think this is a great opportunity for the team to bond and come together. Um, with the uh, off the field NIL, how has it changed? Cause you were here before you're here after, how has it changed your experience as a college player or has not? Uh, my experience as a college player, I have a little bit more money in my pocket, which is, <laughs> cool um i am a fan of nil um i never played football for the money right my parents actually were like i don't want you to play football um we prefer if you didn't play football they actively said i shouldn't um and so i i loved playing college football the thing that excited me the most about college football was the idea of you're playing for your friends you're playing everyone in the stands is your friend Get, like your your boys are out there after the game you go to the, go out go to the bar you're with your boys you're talking about the game like that kind of camaraderie was what excited me about college football now the fact that guys get to be paid on top of that like i think that's cool and um it hasn't changed my experience but i know the younger generations the guys coming in i've seen how it's changed recruiting and how that stuff like really matters the transfer portal like that stuff really matters to guys now and um i think I think it's a great opportunity for a lot of people to to get more money in their pocket. Just one last one. How do you think, do you think Wisconsin 
has the resources to compete in a market like that? Yes, I think we do. I know we do. And um, I think early on, it was just setting up the structure so that we could do it in the right way. Um, I know there's some schools who, you know, they'll have a McDonald's bag of money for right. you. And, and that's, you know, I think we hold ourselves to a different standard at Wisconsin. And, um, you know, if you, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, far, go together. And I think they're trying to bring everyone with them uh, in our athletic department as we, as we go forward into this new space. All right. Hey, Muma, really appreciate your time and uh, good luck this season. Thank you, Zach. All right. There he is. Wisconsin senior linebacker, Muma Jong Mehta. Uh, very, very interesting dude. And a, and a story that, you know, uh, in 2020, a guy who barely played football in high school. Uh, it looked like his career may be done. And for him to come all the way back and be in the position he is now, a leader, Big Ten Media Day is going to be likely going to be a captain, um, is certainly uh, a story that uh, um, is going to be fun to watch and see how it plays out for him. Um, all right, let's get to, to Joshua Perry, former Ohio State linebacker, former NFL linebacker, was recruited by Luke Fickle and played for him at Ohio State. And now he's obviously into uh, – BTN been been with BTN for quite some time and and getting a first year now with NBC and their their Saturday night games. So here he is. And we do bring in Joshua Perry here on the camp. Uh, I appreciate you joining. You've got a bunch of different hats, wearing a bunch of different hats these days. Uh, obviously, a former Ohio State linebacker, NFL linebacker. Now you're uh, obviously with the Big Ten Network and joining NBC as well. It's been a crazy. Little, little, uh, what last five years for you? Yeah, no, it's been hectic. Uh, things have certainly moved faster than I ever would have anticipated that they could, um, which is a fortunate spot for me to be in. The one thing that I can say is I've loved everything I've gotten to do so far, and I take extreme pride in this role, specifically covering the conference that I played in, the conference that I love, and the brands that I've known my whole childhood as a kid who grew up in Ohio. So um, really excited about this next opportunity in, in NBC and in, in prime time, the coverage that they've done, whether it's a, a football night in America a pregame show or, or whether it's their primetime broadcast for NFL has been great. We'll carry on that tradition. I'm doing it with wonderful people. Uh, probably feel like I might be overshadowed at times on that set, which is perfectly fine with me. This is, is going to be really fun. Are you set for November games at night? Yeah, I'm good. I grew up in the Midwest. I'll just throw on a coat and I'll be fine. Because I just saw I just saw the report, and again, it's not official yet, but Nebraska, Wisconsin, Camp Randall in late November. Oh yeah, I, I would I would love to do that. Camp Randall is one of my favorite environments. Um, now getting there, of course, Wisconsin that time of the year it's a little bit of a challenge, <laughs> but I'll bundle up and be ready for some football. Well, it's going to be a fun year, I think, for everybody associated with Wisconsin because it's an, it's new and it, it's brand new. Uh, so many new faces that people are going to be seeing for the first time. Um, but it's not a familiar face, or I should say it's not an unfamiliar face to you, Luke Fickle, that is. He was your linebacker's coach, defensive coordinator at Ohio State during your time there. What can you tell us about him? He's uh, He is the perfect coach. If I'm being completely honest, I don't say that just to say it. He He's a tough guy. He presses on you when he needs to press on you. He, he drives you to an edge that you didn't think that you had. And he did that for me personally. I know he did that for a lot of other people. I appreciate it. He's also a guy who is a phenomenal teacher, um, teaches very well. 
conceptually and then gets into the details, which I think matters when you're, you're coaching college football because you got guys who are coming from different knowledge bases that you need to educate. But he's a connector, and he's a family man, and he embodies that. Where I, I, Anytime I talk to him, even right now, he asks, how's Jim and Georgette? That's my mom and dad. He asks, how are your brothers doing? He cares about family. He cares about our personal lives. He's a coach that you would actually invite into your personal life if you had a reason to. Um, And so I think that he's going to be really good for this job. He can coach it, but he also knows how to manage the locker room, which is something you need to do in today's day and age of college football. Um, So I'm personally excited to see what type of job he does. Do you have any good Luke Fickle stories? Because uh, there's some rumors out there from earlier in his time, you know, him and P.J. Fleck, they got, got into it a little bit. But um, do you have any stories for, for us? I, I would say this, is that uh, Coach Fick never turns down a challenge. He, he had uh, challenged personally just about every linebacker he came in contact to to a wrestling match. Um, <laughs> when, when he and Mike Vrabel were coaching together in 2012, uh, and I believe 2013, he and Mike Vrabel used to challenge each other to wrestling matches. Um, and, and Luke is actually a fantastic wrestler. And even as, you know, Vrabel is a madman, I, I wouldn't put my money on anybody other than Luke Fickle. So I never took him up on the challenge. But um, he's got an edge, man, and it's, it's playful. He's, like, obviously not trying to hurt anybody. But he's got an edge. He's a competitor, and he is a guy who – does not run from any challenges. And I think in the game of football, you got to be somebody who embraces challenges. That must have been a sight to see. It was. Vrabel and Fickle. My goodness. You know, those guys were were best friends, though, their time at Ohio State, and they have been best friends ever since then. So, um, you know, they they were like brothers. If you have siblings, you know how you're always messing around with your siblings. And I appreciated seeing that from a camaraderie standpoint on a coaching staff because it really did bleed into our our rooms and into meetings. Um, You know, coaches don't just say, oh, you know, embrace the guys like they're your brothers. Now, these are two cats that played together. Now they work together and they really do embrace each other like that. I think he's trying to bring that to Wisconsin and he's brought guys with him from different stops whether it's Cincinnati um, Brady Collins the strength coach is a guy who's been with him uh, since Ohio State Brady went to my high school Olentangy High School in Lewis Center Ohio I used to watch him when I was a kid when he was playing in high school games he's been a nut job his whole damn life Um, and and so you know he he brings that energy and all of the fun things to the game I'm rambling to say uh, everything about him is real. Brady Collins is. Yeah. He is, but he is that dude too. He is. Like, I mean, he they, and the guys that we've talked to love it because it's such a change. Because uh, Wisconsin did things one way, and it's it's a little bit different now mm-hmm. with with these guys. The energy in the program has has jumped up. That's the, the first thing that I felt. There's a lot more energy and urgency, and I'm not going to sit here and say that the way it used to be done can't be successful because they had a lot of success, lot of success. doing it that way. But there does come a time where I think you need. Um, newness and freshness and and coach Fick only knows one way to do it and that is with urgency and Brady only knows one way to do it and that is with urgency and passion and energy Um, and so I think it was that was the right type of change when you talk about a paradigm shift for a program they needed that I I think those guys are are the personalities that need to be involved but yeah Brady's a nut job and I say that lovingly (laughs) if he hears this I say it lovingly Brady but you're crazy (laughs) um just going back to the decision that Luke Fickle made 
in leaving Cincinnati and coming to Wisconsin? Did it catch you off guard at all? Because there were a number of programs out there that he could have gone to prior to this. I 100% did. I mean, you know, this is a, a guy who I know was uh, interested in, in Notre Dame when it came open, and they obviously had different plans to uh, to keep a different Buckeye and Marcus Freeman, and I'm, I'm proud of what he's done too. He's uh, – when I – short aside about him I know it's not about him but when I was getting recruited to Ohio State he was a GA so he was one of the first people I I had contact with when I got on campus he's been wonderful uh ever since um but that was something he was interested in I know he people tossed out his name when it came to potential USC which I don't see Luke Fickle as a West Coast guy but it is to say that his name has been associated with some of the premier of premier jobs Wisconsin for a lot of folks, isn't necessarily seen like that. I would flip it and say Wisconsin has a great tradition of football and has had a lot of success as of late and is a program that feels like in the right situation in a 12-team expanded playoff could see themselves in there. And so I like the opportunity that he saw. I know that he wanted to make sure that there was a financial commitment that came along with it, not for himself, but for staff and, and for facilities and for everything that builds a program. Um, and they're doing those things. And, and, and now you get to say that you've got a coach who people saw as a guy who was going to be at the top of the top. He brings that to Madison. Now that program becomes that. And that's everyone's hope. And that's when that's everyone's, I don't know about expectation, but it's, it's everyone's like, ceiling for this is go be great and and can Luke Fickle take him to that that level because there are parts of being in Wisconsin that that make that difficult like they like you're from Ohio how many D1 kids are there in Ohio every year there's a lot of them there's and Wisconsin has theirs yeah but there's not as many and so like you're not necessarily don't have that base to pull from which I I don't want to make too much of it but it is it's what it's the lifeblood of a program. No, it's important. Like there are, there are programs that get away with not necessarily having great local talent because they recruit nationally. Um, and Wisconsin can do that, but it's not their bread and butter. They've, they've got to be local and regional. Um, and, and that's where you see teams in the SEC, for example, that have really talented rosters, whether or not they're well coached, is because there's just talent all around there. But one of the things that uh, a guy like Luke Fickle realizes coming in is, okay, who are the top guys in our region? We got to identify them. We're three hours away from Chicago. We got to be able to recruit that. We're not that far from St. Louis. We got to be able to recruit that. I'm from Ohio. I coached at Ohio State and at Cincinnati. They got a lot of cats, and Ohio State's not looking at all of them. We got to recruit that. So I think there's a plan there that makes a ton of sense about how he wants to. Um, he wants to combat maybe some of those those regional issues that come along with not having maybe all of the premium talent in state. It, it, and it takes a lot of work and, and, and there'll be some sleepless nights trying to get it done. But he knows exactly where to go to try to get the guys. And I think he does value as well the premium in-state guys. He's going to want all of them to play at Wisconsin. So this is, that's, that's a long-term question, uh, short-term. Expectations for year one, what's, what's realistic uh, for people? I think the roster was in good shape when he took it over. So, so a lot of the question that you ask is, you know, where was the roster and what do you have to do? Not a lot of overhauling. They've got some returning production, which I think is really important there. I like what they did with the transfer portal in terms of uh, uh, Mordecai, and they talked about competing against him when he was playing at SMU and that staff was at Cincinnati. They'd look and they'd say, that guy's a dude. We, we got to have answers for this guy because he could hurt us. Um, and I know that they like having a competitor back there. 
the offense is going to look different. I think it's necessary now that it looks different. But if you talk to any of those guys, they will tell you the run game is still the point of emphasis. And their running backs are too damn good for it not to be. Um, so all that to say, year one, they're going to be really competitive. I can see them winning the West. You know, it's, it's a different question when you start talking about, you know, East-West, do you win a championship? But um, th- there's not a reason why this team can't be one of the top teams in the West. Who do you have winning the West? That's a tough question. I, 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 everybody's backing me into this corner. I can't pick it. It's hard because I look at Iowa and I say, okay, if they can actually score the 25 a game that they need, I don't know how many teams are beating them because their defense should be that good. Um, I, I have a personal affinity for Luke Fickle and, and what he can do as a coach, and I also like the pieces that they're working with. Um, I look at Nebraska, and, and there is a, a scenario in my mind where they get rolling early and they have a dynamic quarterback that can create some magic for them. Um, I know a lot of people do not expect that. <laughs> do, I, do I count out uh, Minnesota and P.J. Fleck? And I know you probably don't want to hear that. The guy's a hell of a football coach, so he's a really good ball coach, and his players are fully committed, bought in. Um, I think Illinois maybe has a, a – a chance to take a step back because of all that they lost. But I also think that Brett Bielema is one of the best coaches in America. So they're going to be a well-coached outfit, whether they win or lose. Um, all that to say, ah, <sighs> <laughs> uh, Iowa has the big offensive question, not a lot of defensive questions. I'm going Wisconsin. Though. Okay. All right. I'm going to go Wisconsin. Have you been making different picks uh, at each table that you've been at? No. Uh, the only one I did. Um, that would be a great way to do it, by the way. <laughs> no, because all of this gets out in the world, and now I'm a liar. Um, Adam Brenneman, who, who is working with BTN, he's doing some, some digital content. He played at Penn State. Um, he asked me for a bold prediction in the Big Ten, and I gave him Nebraska's West Champs as a bold prediction. It's not something that I feel like is actually going to happen. That's not my, my pick. So if anybody sees that come across their timeline, I did say that, but I want you to know that wasn't me picking necessarily. <laughs> it was just a bold prediction. Your fellow Ohio State alum, Kirk Herbstreet, last year on game day. Boy, leading, I remember that. Leading into Northwestern and Nebraska, his big thing was Nebraska's win in the West, and three hours later – that was the last win for Pat Fitzgerald, and and in the beginning of the end, or maybe the end of the end. Jeez, for uh, for Scott Frost. That was nasty. Um, but you're not doing that. You're not saying that. You're saying that's a bold prediction. It's a bold prediction. Happen. It's it's something that I think is bold, right? But I don't think that it's impossible sure. that it would happen. Um, but that's not my pick, though. My pick is Wisconsin, and I'm waffling between them and Iowa right now. Great. Yeah. yeah. All right, Joshua. Really appreciate your time and. Uh, Good luck in the new uh, gig. Sure. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Joshua Perry. Fantastic. Really enjoyed talking to him. Um, seems like a really good guy and seems like he's got a big future uh, in, uh, in media. So um, had a really good chat with him. We'll close out uh, the episode by going with Rick Neuheisel here. Uh, Rick Neuheisel, former UCLA coach, former Colorado coach. He had some, he had some great insight both into Luke Fickle into uh, the change Wisconsin is making on offense, the, um, the Jim Leonard situation as well, uh, as a guy who was fired by his, his alma mater, UCLA. Obviously, Jim Leonard was not fired, but certainly not retained by his alma mater, um, is, uh, I thought, a good person to ask about that. So here he is, Madison native Rick Neuheisel. 
And we do bring in Rick Neuheisel. Rick, how's it going? It's going fantastic. It's fun to be talking to the folks from Wisconsin. Right? Madison. We get to, do we get to call you a Madison native because you were born there? I, I was I born in Madison. Proudly a Madison native. I didn't spend a lot of time there uh, but because uh, my mom and dad were on the road. But uh, the Dick and Jane show has been fun, and they still sing on Wisconsin. So don't you worry about uh, our, our love affair with the University of Wisconsin. So your first year at Colorado was 1995, correct? And you opened the season. Opened against Barry in, in Camp Randall. So much excitement. My so. dad had 47 fraternity brothers there. <laughs> My mom had at least that number of sorority sisters there. And uh, it was a throwdown for the New Heisel family. It was a throwdown, and it was a beatdown on the field as well. I mean, you guys ran them out of statement. But I can remember being there that night, the electricity in the Because back then, they didn't really get a lot of night games. Right. They didn't get a lot of night games. And yeah. you could bring in Colorado to open a season. The place was just crazy. Yeah. And... It did not go Wisconsin's way at all. They had those ugly uniforms on. Brent Musburger and Dick Vermeil were on the call. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, they took Dick and Jane around to kind of see the old haunts, you know, as part of the telecast. And uh, my mom pointed out, there's Madison General, which is where I was born. And my dad pointed out, there's a Cadillac where he was conceived. <laughs> my, my mom didn't take much. She didn't like that that much. <laughs> So the game itself did not go Wisconsin's way, but I mean it was a great way for you to start your your coaching your head coaching career. It was a great way to start a head coaching career, especially against a guy as revered as Barry Alvarez is in the business. It was our night, right? We were we and we turned out to be a good team. We won ten games that year, but uh, yeah, it was it was a thrill uh, and you know for it to all materialize that, especially for my folks, they still talk about that night and uh, the magic of having their son win his first game at their alma mater and then they went and hit all the haunts <laughs> right right all close to uh the stadium there it was it was a night to remember even though i'm not sure they can <laughs> so we in madison there's a ton of expectations this year and a ton of excitement around Luke Fickle. I'm wondering on a national perspective, and from your perspective as a, as a former coach, what he's walking into simply because of what Wisconsin has been for the last 30 years right. and now this. Well, I think we need to give credit where credit's due to the Wisconsin that was created by Barry Alvarez, you know, both as a head coach and then as an athletic director. It's a phenomenal program, and yet as we embark in this new chapter of Big Ten play, as here comes the L.A. schools and who knows what future expansion there will be, uh, Chris McIntosh, a, a, a Barry disciple, is looking saying we might have to change the paradigm if we're going to be outside of the divisions, right, the West and East right now. But if that goes away, we've got to be able to beat the Michigans and the Ohio States, uh, and we're not going to necessarily be able to do it doing it this old way. So to take the leap of faith... And, and go get Luke Fickle, who goes gets uh, Phil Longo uh, to come and, you know, put a, a, a spread offense in. Now, it doesn't mean he won't run the ball, but he's going to do it in a wildly different way. Uh, that's going to create quite the jump around in Madtown, quite the jump around. And, and it, you know, it's exciting why we think about it, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nervous first step because the success that you've enjoyed over the last couple of decades is hard to match. 
So I was talking with Amon Green earlier from Nebraska. Obviously, he played when they were fantastic in the 90s, right? Just uh, I still see him going by me on the sideline, Amon Green, when he was, uh, I think it was the first play of the game in 1995 when I was coaching at Colorado. Yes, a fabulous player. Right, and, and they made a change. Obviously, they went from Osborne to Solich, and then they made a change, a significant change, to Bill Callahan, who was actually at Wisconsin as uh, the offensive line coach in 1993 when they played UCLA in the Rose Bowl. That's right. Um, but So they, they go and make this change, um, and it didn't go well. Like it, it, it As a matter of fact, they brought Scott Osborne, I mean, uh, the uh, Scott Frost, Scott Osborne. It felt like Scott Osborne is such a son of the program. Scott Frost back to... Uh, Nebraska just to get it back right. to where it once was. Obviously, that didn't go well. We'll see how Matt Rule does. But, uh, I mean, to think about Nebraska not having been to a bowl game since 2016 is hard to fathom. It's crazy because in, in 2016, they, were, they got into the top ten of the country under Mike Riley. And then it just kind of fell apart. And Mike Riley was a great guy. I just I, I don't know if he was made for that type of a program. Mike Riley was the antithesis of Bo Pelini personality-wise. Yeah, oh, for sure. Bo is, you know, a hard grinder type of coach, rubs people the wrong way at times. Mike is the nicest guy in the history of the world. As a matter of fact, one, I was in the conference with Mike in the Pac-12, he at Oregon State, me at UCLA. We were trying to get the athletic directors to okay more players going on the road in away games uh, in the conference. I think we were limited to 60 players traveling. Other conferences had 66 and 70. And I said, I don't care what number we want, just like Mike Riley ask. <laughs> and Mike Riley asked for 70, and we got it. No other guy would have gotten what we were asking for except Mike Riley. So I guess what I meant to ask about when I'm talking about Nebraska, Wisconsin's making a similar switch here. That's right. Uh, a similar move, going away from what has worked for 30 years, changing a little bit of their identity, at least offensively and defensively. But is it a risk? Oh, it's a risk. There's no question it's a risk. As a matter of fact, when they deviated at all with Gary Anderson, they went back. Yeah. Gary Anderson, you know, and, and Gary Anderson felt the pushback when Barry would walk into the office and say, hey, listen, you don't take Melvin Gordon out of the game when he's got 250 yards. You get him 300. Yeah. Uh, and Gary Anderson said, well, wait a minute, who's running the program? And he said, I'm, I'm going to go someplace else. This is a risk and then some because this paradigm works it's proven and to go in another direction maybe it's the way you have to go to get further down the road but you're you've you've been down the road pretty good you know so it is a risk and, and it's exactly the same thing that you're looking at from a nebraska standpoint when they went to the west coast offense that was anything but nebraska and it has been kind of in search of the glory days since. And I feel like the, the move is also similar because you skewed a proven, not a proven, a, a, a hometown favorite, a hometown hero in Jim Leonard. And, and essentially, I don't want to say cut off. And now any, he's going to be any, an analyst at, at Illinois. Right. But like you cut off any future potentially with him as, as well because of the, way, the way the situation played out. If you're, I mean, with Jim Leonard, how much do you think that is just him trying to stay active? How much of it is it 
him maybe trying to get back Wisconsin a little bit, or is there is there nothing like that, or is it? A I don't. I don't anything? think Jim's angry at Wisconsin. He might be disappointed in Chris McIntosh, uh, and it's important uh, when things happen with your alma mater that you separate. You know, it's not UCLA that fired me. It was Dan Guerrero that fired me, right? Uh, so Jim Leonard needs to have this great reverence for his alma mater, but he can be disappointed that Chris McIntosh made the choice. And listen, if, if that fire burns in his belly, you can understand it, right? Uh, while, he, while he's going to try to help sure. it. He's going to be a coordinator very soon, if not a head coach very soon. There's no question his resume is sterling. But if you're going to make a change, then you need to bring somebody who's going to have a, a plan for change. And Fickle and Longo combo, it's like, you know, a presidential ticket. Yeah. That's change. <laughs> and right now, that's what Chris, the way Chris McIntosh voted. Do you think he's connected at the hip now with uh, Chris McIntosh and Luke Fickle? Oh, I don't think there's any question, which shows the gamble that Chris McIntosh is taking, right? Uh, athletic directors, and to me, that's healthy. If you're going to be successful, you have to have a tied-at-the-hip type mentality. It's, it's too easy for athletic directors to say, oh, here's a guy. He's won a bunch of games. I can see it on the paper, right? I can look up in the stats and say, oh, here's a guy who has big offense. He comes in, he's unsuccessful. I fire him, go get somebody else. That's too easy. You have to be able to say, what do you need to be successful? Obviously, Coach Fickle was hugely successful at Cincinnati. Uh, he brings with him a number of Cincinnati assistants that were successful. Longo was successful at Sam Houston. He was successful at Ole Miss, even though there was some turbulence when Hugh Freeze got fired. Uh, and then he goes to North Carolina, and, and Mac Brown all of a sudden is back in you know the conversation as one of the great coaches. That happened on his watch. So there's reasons to say this is good. But I go back to Barry Alvarez talking about the recruiting profile. And why, Nebraska, why Wisconsin needed to stay the way Wisconsin was going to stay. Why he fought for that. Because he knew he could. There, the supply demand was going to fit that roster. He could do it, and he could do it inexpensively. Uh, and he could do it with Wisconsin kids. And there was, a, there was some absolute proof in the, in the method. There was absolute proof that it worked. And going out on a limb... Risky, absolutely, but maybe it's the way you fight fire with fire when you're talking about the big two in the uh, Big Ten. And that's what, that was my next question, because when you bring in UCLA and USC next year, what do you think Wisconsin's place is in the Big Ten? Well, that's where they're trying to reassert themselves. And I think they're looking at their alums who are probably in favor of this right now because they see here comes a flamboyant USC team. Lincoln Riley's got an offense to beat the band. Uh, we've got Ohio State throwing for all kinds of yards. C.J. Stroud, the number two pick in the draft last, last year. Marvin Harrison might be in that role this year. Uh, I mean, this is big-time offense. Jim Harbaugh, favorite son of Michigan. He's a guy that has got the maize and blue blood boiling again, you know, and they're, they're two times now to the national playoffs. This is... We have to go and fight fire with these guys. We can't just say we're going to beat Minnesota and Iowa and call it a good year anymore. Uh, and in so doing, they're going and getting some offenses that look to be able to keep up. Now they have to recruit the people that make those offenses work. 
What's a realistic expectation for Wisconsin this year? Is it is it win the West? I mean, is that? I mean, they were picked to do it. They've been picked the past three years to it. It didn't happen. But I, I, listen, you're not going to be satisfied if you don't win the West, yeah. which is the expectation that has been built. That's the precedent, and that's the 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 standard. Uh, but there are probably four programs now in the West that will all say that. Iowa's going to say that, right? Purdue now having gotten there, now it's a new coach, so maybe the expectation lessens a little bit. But uh, Minnesota, for sure, they're going to say that's where they belong. Um, It is the leap of leaps to do what they're doing fundamentally from a program standpoint, philosophically from a program standpoint, and expect that kind of success early, but that's where they are. Who do you got winning the West then? Uh, I'm going to go Iowa. I, I Somehow, when their backs are against the wall, they find a way out of the deal. And this Cade McNamara, I remember Michigan being up against it in that overtime game against Rutgers. Yep. He found a way to win the game. There's something about that kid that will change the fortunes of their offense. They'll still be ground and pound, and they still might not be as exciting as Iowa fans would like. But the defense is such a stellar group. I just think Iowa is going to be be the team. Do they score enough points to keep Brian Ferentz employed? They have to average twenty five, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I think they'll get it done because they'll get some defensive touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rick. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Take care. All right, that's going to uh, do it for today. Really appreciate all four of those guys sitting down with me at Big Ten Media Days. Um, we'll have some more interviews coming from that here in the next uh, in the next few days. Um, but uh, for now, I'm going to go rest my voice and uh, hopefully be back next time with Jesse Temple. Again, really appreciate uh, everybody listening, subscribing. Go to the YouTube, subscribe there too. Really starting to uh, add up the numbers there uh, in terms of subscribers. Still want to get to 1,000 before the start of the season. It'd be awesome if we could do that, and uh, I'm sure you guys could help us do it. So, all right. Thank you very much. You've been listening to The Camp.